Welcome to the Learn to Code podcast. This is the first episode of 2023. Uh, I just listened to um, a Twitter space hosted by MilQDev. I'm going to add the link of his Twitter on the description of the podcast. And uh, well, just have a listen to it. I think it's very interesting and very entertaining. Uh, the name of the space is Teaching Yourself to Code in 2023. spend that eight dollars a month if i can build something get recurring payments that's the only way i'll buy it that's a choice i don't know i feel like the check mark's growing on me have you guys have you guys seen anyone with a yellow check mark is that a no, thing it's not people it's brands oh was that oh, like is that like, like for a business then like every single business mm-hmm. on here would have a yellow check yep i feel like we're gonna automatically tune out yellow check marks then right i don't know like yeah that's part of the risk yeah the alternative risk is anybody can go buy a check mark and make a fake like Kroger's account and then post fuck shit, which is what we were seeing a lot of. Oh, Milky, did you see the Creative uh, Three app changes that we just shipped today? Uh, I didn't know they were going to actually get them out, and I'm hyped. No, what are they? I redid the entire folder structure for the TRPC stuff because I felt like it was too hard to understand for people who didn't know what TRPC was. And generally speaking, I kind of want TRPC to be less like a mainline thing that has a bunch of files named after it, more like an implementation detail. The biggest change, like experience wise, is you know how like you type trpc.users.getinfo.useQuery? Mm hmm. Yep. Uh, it's now api.users.getinfo. So like the thing you import in components and use isn't named TRPC anymore because TRPC is how the backend works. Now that's just your API. So I renamed it API and it makes reading the code make way more sense. Oh, nice. Nice. Right on. I, I was, um, one thing was I was looking at a Stripe Im- implementation for Next and um, the, like the blog I was reading was uh, using obviously Next as a backend and it was actually a fun little like, I guess exercise just to kind of port that logic into a tier PC backend. Super easy. It wasn't too hard. Like there's nothing like you know groundbreaking. Uh, but it was just fun to kind of utilize tier PC, uh, like an existing blog post or something. Hey, Kevin. What's going on, Aaron? How are we doing? Chilling, man. Happy New Year's. Happy New Year. New Year, new me, right? Hell yeah. Melky, are you ever gonna have uh, like a real photo of your face? I don't want to scare people. Is that a thing? <laughs> I feel like that picture of me smiling with, like, the anime rendition, I think it's more welcoming. Oh, Jack Forge is in here. Where's the other other anime picture, too? That's, uh, I don't remember where it is, but it looks so good. It made me want to get some sort of anime picture of me. (laughs) I personally love the contrast of the, like, Melky the Bro, the actually very informed engineer. I think that those types of contrasts do really well for grabbing attention. It's kind of something I ride on. I'm just like an annoying fucking rat of a gay dude that happens to be very, very technical. Yeah, I opened Melky's stream the other day, and he was just, like, doing bicep curls. And I was really confused, but I was also very into it. So I had to keep watching. The the bro thing is only half true. You know, the, I got to make sure the bicep curls are are, you know a key part of my coding journey and while I, you know, ship some cool shit, gotta make sure I got the curls ready to go. There's actually a phenomenal idea here, which is film a YouTube video every time you're working out about something entirely unrelated. Like, just film a whole video while doing curls. People do stuff as, like, punishments, I think, right? Like, I've seen, like, one of my friends, Pan, is, like, a streamer, too. I don't know if you know him, Theo or Milky or Addison or Jack or anyone in here, Denny. 
Um, but he'll like, you know, anytime he's like trying to, he's studying for interviews right now. So anytime he can't like solve a lead code problem, he does pushups and stuff like that, which I think is hilarious, but I think it's also great. That's Wait, perfect. is that an actual YouTube channel? Or? Well, frying pan. I'm just saying like, for, if you guys oh, know frying yeah, pan, yeah, yeah. yeah, he'll do it on stream because he's studying for interviews right now. What I was saying is an actual YouTube video. That's like how to get your first job as an engineer. That's just Melky like talking to the camera about how to get your job as an engineer, where he happens to be doing curls the whole time. I thought that'd be fucking hilarious. That would I love that. That. I think that's amazing. I love that. I think that'd be so. I like, see actually, you. you should do that. I want fifty percent of the revenue. <laughs> like I never bring it up. I just never speak of it. I'm just talking as yeah. I'm doing them. Just never acknowledge it at all. It's like or Dev has one of these gags. I see him in the audience. He's the homie. He has he uses a lab mic for his videos and he always puts it on something different for every video. So he like put it on like a comb, he put it on a donut, he just puts it on like whatever the fuck he has around so that like it's a running gag. He put it on like a plastic spork. That's really funny. I had actually you guys might know him too. Jason Goodison is like another YouTuber who's really awesome. He's super nice. And he did that in one of his last videos. He was like using a paper towel roll as his microphone and like never addresses it, which I think is hilarious. I met him at a random party in SF like two weeks ago. He's a good dude. And no both way, of us no. were like shy to admit that we were YouTubers. It was really funny. We were like <laughs> trying to like talk about what we actually do. And then like right. somebody else mentioned he was a YouTuber. And I was like, oh, wait, what? He's so cool. He really is like, I don't know. I feel like I've started collaborating and like talking to a lot more people um, more recently. And he's he's like super, super cool. He's so humble. He's really, really hardworking. He makes some really awesome content. Theo, you too. Your stuff has been been going crazy. It's really cool to see your channel blow up the way it's been going. Yeah, I'd say that the majority of those specific compliments don't apply to me, but the our cha- my channel is also blowing up. Yes, thank you. Do you guys just have random like SF parties, like in just like how does that? How do you just randomly I meet? Think him? I was like, hanging. Oh, actually, I remember I was hanging with Vercel, and one of the Vercel employees was going to another Christmas party that some Web three VC was hosting. I didn't know they were Web three or VC. I just heard it was a party in like a specific art venue I like, so I went along. Then it turned out it was like this mostly cringe crypto thing. So I spent the whole time just talking to the DJs, actually playing cool fucking music and like networking with a few people that like broke out of the crowd. And one of them happened to be Jason. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we could get started. We got a lot of cool people here. I sent some speaker invites. Um, for some reason, it seems like it's not coming through. Like I know someone to Dev. Yeah, uh, they're laggy as hell too yeah. i noticed like when you sent me one it took a while for it to apply and mm-hmm. also just like a heads up when somebody get, does get promoted to speaker there's like eight to 30 seconds where they don't hear anything because it's connecting and when you're not a speaker you get a laggier uh, like audio track so the non-speakers are already four to eight seconds delayed then you have a bunch of silence when you're connecting and getting promoted then you can finally hear so, like, if you're saying, hey, what's up, as someone's getting promoted, they don't hear a thing you're saying. Well, as you were saying that, we got Trash, who got promoted speaker. De- I did, definitely didn't do that one. So that's Ew, a- who let him up? Who? Trash. This uh- space ruined. Okay. All right. We're going to reschedule. <laughs> that was really not me. My I bad. don't know. It was- no. <laughs> Trash Dev, second place Trash. for most snubbed at T3 Awards. Yeah. Can we get some thumbs down for reactions for our homie Trash? Oh. Wearing your shirt right now, no cap. Yo, that shirt's too small for your biceps, bro. It's, it fits perfectly. All right, cool. So, yeah, so thank you, everyone. Uh, this is going to be a dope space. Um, obviously, Madison and I are co-hosting it, and the topic is uh, teaching yourself to code 2023. There's not really, like, an agenda, but I just we just thought of 
would be a great topic where we can get a bunch of us together, you know, our friends, homies, people, you know, strangers talking about stuff. And like the thing that brings it all together mostly is, is coding. And there's people here who are experts. There's people like trash and me who are trash. So I think it's a good way to just kind of come together. Um, but yeah, I think the way I want to start this, and I was thinking about how can I start this? How can we start it? Is uh, kind of the talk, talking about like the available tools and resources for someone coming in new on teaching yourself to code. And then I was reminded by our homie, the Primogen. And one thing he always says is he never talks about specific tools, never talks about specific resources, so never like a particular book or a particular course. But what he does always bring about or talk about is the acronym TITS, Time in the Saddle. So I want to talk about that because I think that's the most applicable thing here, better than any course you can bring about, better than any blog is like, the self goal, the personal determination a person needs to to learn to code or to get into that seat, get themselves in that saddle to learn how to code. Can I add two topics as well? Please. Yeah, the the big two I tend to focus on are focus on like projects with deliverables, not like independent but like individual goals. Like the goal of being a programmer is a lot harder and like the goal of I want to know JavaScript is not nearly impossible. Like I don't know JavaScript. So setting goals with concrete deliverables. And the other big one, and I think this is probably what I would open with, is learning to be comfortable and excited by failure. I think this is the biggest thing that makes software so unique is that you spend the majority of your time failing being wrong. And getting comfortable with that and understanding that's how you grow is essential to finding any success in the field. And the earlier you find it, the better. 100%. I think I want to go with that first one. Well, I don't know, like both. I think I actually like the failure one. I think falling in love with failure is like probably the most important thing or like being at the very least being comfortable with failure and then you'll get and build that like love for it um because like with a lot of people go who tend to go into programming they kind of go into it like oh you know they watch people they watch people like yourselves you know all these streamers all these youtubers and like all the successful products they ship and they're like oh you know once they get good i'll mimic that same behavior and they don't realize, or maybe they just don't know it, that like you probably fail more when you're a senior. The more senior you get, but it just impacts you less. So like when you're when you're a junior, when you're just starting, when you fail, you think like, oh shit, like I'm so stressed, or you know I'm never gonna be cut out for this. I'm too bad, whatever, whatever. Um, and you and you really like cloud your 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 projection with these kind of thoughts of failure. But the more senior you are, the more you fail, the more you kind of keep going. Um, like, personally, I just think, like, I don't even care if I fail. I kind of embrace it. Like, I, I almost have an expectation to fail. And whenever I do something that, like, goes around that, like, fail, the expected failure, it's, like, a huge W. It's a huge – it's even bigger, you know? Yeah, I'm at a fun point now where a lot of the technical work I do is specifically because of the the uncharted waters I am the most capable of exploring, which means that the rare occasions I do get to code for the job, literally 95% of what I write doesn't fucking work. And the whole thing is just trying to make the pieces come together and find all of the points of failure as fast as possible. It's basically like the way I feel is I am building a ship and every three pieces of what I put down, I like throw a hammer at it to see if they stick or not. And I just keep on doing that again and again. And it does suck and it is grading, but it is like the ultimate, like, I, I hate to say like that, that is what senior is because it's, it's a lot more than that. But it's one of the like most notable characteristics as you get more 
senior and technical is you spend more of your time doing the things that are more prone to failure, even if that means like making decisions more often, like that's because that's where failures are happening. And generally speaking, growth happens as your approach to failure and software strengthens. As you get better at finding failures early and addressing them often, you will be more successful. And the sooner you get into that pattern, the better. I really, I think this is a really interesting point. I, I, I totally agree with you, but I'm, so I'm wondering, how do you switch your kind of like mindset and actually, because like you said, failing sucks. It's not a great feeling, right? So if you're, if you're starting out or you're doing something and you're failing at it, and usually like we have so much discomfort, right? Like even if you're in school, you take a test, you get a bad grade or you start doing a sport and you're not very good at it, like you're failing at it, you usually don't want to keep going because it's a terrible feeling, right? And then you think like all these different thoughts, like I'm bad at this, I'm not cut out for this. So yeah, I guess the question is, how do you kind of switch to embracing failing? I think that's like a pretty, I think a lot of people struggle with that, including myself. (laughs) I'll let people go first. I don't want to hug. Yeah, trash, you go. Yeah, so like the failure part, right? So I think for me, what kind of did it was what how what the what it feels like after you're going right it's like i think most of us can relate that we've banged our head against the wall like forever but then once you like conquer and like accomplish that mission like that hit of dopamine or that high is like, super addicting so like for me kind of like what theo was bringing up i always try to do tasks that i already know that i can't do but i know at some point i'm gonna eventually do it so when i get to that point like it's like literally one of the best things in the world and like one of the biggest sense of accomplishments that I think one could feel like in a career. I know that's like, sounds like pretty cliche or maybe over-exaggerated, but like every time I do something that I literally had no, no idea how to do the last week or the previous month, it kind of blows me away, like how much I can learn and kind of accomplish when I like, I actually try. Um, and I think that's like one, that's going to be something that many of these people that are probably in the audience listening about is because I think like we're in this age where everyone's very impatient and they think to be good at everything really fast so they don't so when they hit this wall they're probably either going to quit or I don't know most likely quit but it's important for them to like know that like once they're on the other side it's like one of the best feelings ever so I want to double down on something real quick let me sneak in here sorry Theo um trash I think one thing you said was like that dopamine hit and you know, I'll, I'll double your kind of cliche statement with another one. It's like earn your dopamine, um, which is like exactly what it is. You know, um, when you take on a task that you're like, I've never done this, the likelihood I succeed are pretty low. And you come into it like, you know, thinking like, how shitty is this going to be? But when you actually stick with it, complete, you know, the task, complete that journey of learning or get yourself to a point where you even think was really possible, that dopamine is like insane. Or even like, talking a little bit more realistic like just solving a bug if you've been at a bug like if people here any level junior mid senior whatever and you just get stuck on this bug where all your stack overflow posts are shit your slack channels don't have anything that associates to your specific problem and you're just bashing your head on it but then when you solve it when you get that green deployment when you get that pass test when you get the result you want it's like it's like i can't even describe it it's like that dopamine hits different skateboards and dark souls I, I personally think this is a love you have to find elsewhere. It's really hard to find it in software, but like building that relationship in your brain of things that are really fucking hard are really fucking good is something you have to get. And it, can it be done in software? I'm sure it can. I don't know how. I didn't do it that way. I got this from skateboarding. I would go outside, at, wants to do a kickflip, and then try for two years straight. And then I landed one. And I still hate kickflips to this day. 
I much prefer doing them switch because when I relearned them, I learned them correctly, backwards, funny enough. But generally speaking, that love of failing and the obsession with things being slightly uncomfortable so I can learn from them came from other places. And when I applied it in software, it let me get really fucking good really fast. Yeah, I was just going to say quickly that I think for me, like learning that failure is okay has to do with a couple of things. I think the first thing is that I need to be around people who like also echo that message. And so I think for me, it's a big culture thing. Like it's a big thing to be around people who also, you know, basically encourage you to fail or understand that things that you're going to do aren't always going to pan out, but you're going to fix it if it's a problem or if something goes wrong, you'll roll it back or whatever. So I think part of it's a cultural thing. I also kind of feel like, at least for me personally, coding has always felt like trying to throw spaghetti at the wall. And I feel like with the more experience that you get and the harder that you try and the more things that you learn, it just feels like more spaghetti tends to stick every time you throw it. So I think that's kind of my experience. Uh, And I think just being around people who, you know, like let you fail, encourage you to fail is really, really important. If you feel that way, you haven't done challenging enough things recently because I feel like I just have a fucking, like the wall's just getting wetter as I get more senior. It sucks. I think you got to switch rooms, Theo. (laughs) One thing I want to kind of segue from what Kevin just said, and this is like very like related to like learn, teaching yourself to code in 2023. It's like the TELUS is teaching yourself to code, right? It's very focused on like you yourself, the individual. My question to like everyone, you know, listeners, speakers, if you're, if you are saying no, new, or if you were to go back in time when you were learning to program, do you think you'd be more successful if you did it individually or if you were to do it in a group? Like if there was like four other people who were also in the same position, they were hungry to learn to code, they had these crazy ideas, and you were, you know, you guys just dedicate like 12 hours to learning how to code, would you be better doing it with a group or by yourselves? Always with a group. Accountability is the hardest thing getting started. And one of the things I was going to bring up earlier is the importance of community. Something that I see a lot of as a creator is people who don't know other programmers. There's nobody else who codes around them. And the only engineers they see are the big famous people on Twitter and YouTube and TikTok. They don't see what it looks like to learn code. They see how to learn to code, but they don't see what a person doing that actually looks like. And the, you, the only way to truly see that and get that is find others, hunt for them. It's always worth it. I think a big part of why I succeeded is I was trying to like beat out a bunch of my friends in college or in high school and prove to them that I could learn to code in a year because I had nothing else to do. And that like, drive you get from other humans and the experience you'll get from that is unbeatable try to find other people to do it with if you can that's honestly one of the most underrated parts of going to university is just having other people yeah i feel like to add on to that that's such a good point because i remember when i started learning to code and i only watched like the very polished youtubers at the time this was like forever ago and I, I never saw anyone like making mistakes or anything. And then when I eventually found other people learning to code or even developers like a few years in, like at work eventually, because that's like the only place I had it. And you start to see them, you know, like maybe someone makes a mistake live or explaining something. And it was incredibly helpful to see other people like struggling and like that personal failure, like we just talked about. Um, just seeing people only on YouTube made it seem like everyone was a million times better than me. And I was basically never going to get there. I think that's where streaming separates itself from YouTube, particularly in the sense of coding and programming. Because when you see a YouTuber put out a video, a programmer, tech person putting out a video on YouTube, it's it's polished. You know, it's recorded. They've they've edited. They made it like a beautiful product. So when you see it, you are like 
you know, you're supposed to be impressed by the skill set produced in the video. Streaming, there is no editing. Streaming, there is no, oh, I'm just going to remove that or blank that sound or remove that mistake, right? When you're live streaming on Twitch or wherever, YouTube, whatever it is, and you're programming, like, it's a whole diff- different ballpark. And I, I can say personally, that's where I grew, like, exponentially as, a, as an engineer and a programmer. Um, so, like, I'll quickly just say this for people who don't know. Like, I learned to program basically streaming. I was in the same position where back in 2019, I did not like my undergrad. I was a mechanical engineer. It was shit. It was paying me, like, sneezes and whistles for salaries. It was awful. And uh, I had this buddy who was a programmer. He was getting all these internships, co-ops for, like, massive amounts of money so i'm like okay you know what let's let's buckle down to do this but i couldn't get that accountability that theo said earlier like i would have all these courses i bought all the udemy courses you know i was you know if you look at on paper i had everything set in stone but when it came to actually executing it was terrible i was so bad no accountability so all i want to do was have people watch me where i couldn't just spend you know have, turn on my computer and then like you look at a youtube video instead of grinding out code and that's what I did. I just recorded myself live. Just want at least one other person, two other people watching me so that I can't just, you know, essentially fuck around while I'm trying to learn and change my life. Madison, have you gotten your video out yet? Because it's really good and it touches on a lot of this. Thank you. Um, no, I mean, I was going to put it out tomorrow. Oh, shit. Spoilers. Very convenient. Ooh. Video. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's the whole point of this talk actually to drop to to chill the video no i'm just kidding <laughs> Love thank it. you i'm gonna drop a hot take of my own on this quick uh do it this might be personal i actually want to like gauge the room's thoughts on it i can't watch live code i've tried even like someone who's incredibly fun and entertaining with it like milky or prime i i can survive like 10 minutes before i'm just fully tuned out i can't do it i just i don't have it in me so what happens that you watch it and you're just like, what is it about it? It's, it's, I think it's the opposite. It's there isn't something about it. Like it doesn't grab me <laughs> in the same way like a collab or a rant or even somebody like playing games does to an extent. And it's like, this has been the problem for me because like people want me to do more live code, but I don't watch live code. So I don't know how to do it in an entertaining way because I don't find it entertaining. That's so interesting because I'm like the opposite. I love watching live code, especially when people like mess up. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. Look, look at all these mess ups. Same as me. Like, they're just like me. It makes me happy. That sounds so terrible. I don't know what it is. Denny, you can... Uh, sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll let you just talk first. I think you had your hand raised first. No, I just had a quick question since um, you mentioned you were streaming and in that way you learned how to code because I've honestly, I forgot a lot, especially since I started working as a devrel and I was trying to get back into it. And since I moved into my new flat, I have the setup where I try to live stream coding as well to keep myself accountable, like Theo said. Um, how hard is it and how awkward is it? I'll, I can take a step first, but when you first start, it's not bad at all. I'll be honest, because no one really watches you. No offense. When you first start and you don't have like, I guess for me when I first started, I literally had no following. You know, I was not a YouTuber. I was like nothing. I had no follow. Not like, you know. And so when I streamed, it was like, if I had like three people watching, it'd be like, huh, this is kind of weird, but whatever. Like this is kind of what I want. I got that accountability. But then as it kind of grows, you get more and more people watching. And then, and this is something I want to cover later on, is like you have to learn how to program while people watch you, which is one. But then what Theo said is you also have to be entertaining while you do it. And like that combo of the two, which is a whole separate topic, maybe that's kind of like how to be a, you know, a successful programmer streamer. 
But in terms of like learning to code, when you have like just like, the accountability of people watching you and like when you make a mistake, they'll call you out for it. Or when you make a decision, they'll call you out for it. It like exponentially increases your your learning. Like it's 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 pretty crazy. It's not for everyone. I hate it personally. Like I could not enjoy coding live for more than like two hours at a time, especially now that I have a following. It's not for everybody. And for most people in the audience, like if you're looking to learn to code, streaming's not a great way to accelerate that. Watching streams and being parts of communities maybe, but streaming yourself, eh, for 90% of people, probably not. Denny, you specifically, I think it would work really well for you. Um, I I would agree, but then the point you made, because I've tried this on YouTube for a couple of streams and I I notice my focus going bye-bye all the time. I tried to be, well, not tried to be, I was just being me and then it went into comedy and entertainment basically. So there was no focus. So I don't know, I want to get back into it and not really for the following or anything, but I want to do this for a year again and then be able to look back at all the streams I did each week and be kind of proud and start building the projects as well. But then you guys mentioned live streaming and you made valid points, both of you. And now I'm thinking... Maybe I'll just get back into it and see how it goes. Oh, shit. Monday. What's good, man? How you guys doing, Milk? Thanks. Um, just on the note of being a streamer, coding and streamer are two different disciplines. And so you kind of, to Theo's point earlier, you almost have to learn each independently before you can put them together. Um, if you're starting from scratch, you can probably get away with it. But if you've ever done one or the other, you kind of have to learn them independently before it becomes one cohesive thing because you're trying to, on one hand, realistically what I'm saying is you're trying to entertain. You're trying to keep a community active. You're trying to engage a bunch of people and then coding at the end of the day, at least from somebody who's dabbled um, and streamed more than I've coded, um, you're really trying to build a product with your own mind at some level. And so if you're trying to do two things that are diametric, like opposites at some level, it's really almost better for you to learn how to do one as you're the other, but you have to do it separately. So that's kind of my commentary there. I don't know, Milky, you kind of yeah. started it off, you know, so. Uh, trash go. Uh, I see your hand raised, Trash. Or is that a psych? Probably dealing with the kids or something. I'll I think you're getting baited. I can't, I can't hear anybody. Was Milky talking? Monday was talking. Fuck. Trash, you're ruining the space, man. <laughs> oh my god, Trash. <laughs> well, no, because I will after, on the super quick, talking, I... well, after, after Monday stopped talking, they like quiet for like a mid so I wasn't sure if something broke. Oh, Milky was talking there. Did you not hear Milk? I can't hear Milky. Milky, say something. That's hilarious. That explains hey. a lot. Uh, trash, leave and come back. Sometimes, like one person in the like RTC won't make a connection. Darn it! Now I feel bad for you know throwing no off, uh, trash this whole game. <laughs> no, trash heard you. He just didn't hear Milky inviting him to speak. So I'm having him leave and come back so that he can actually be heard. I really like your point here, though. The, I think that the thing that makes both streaming and software hard is the like accountability through the hard parts like you will have terrible day streaming where you get no fucking viewers and all of that sucks you will have the same with programming you have a day where you just nothing gets done everything's erroring and you just feel like shit the whole day you need something to get you through that for some people the thing that can get you through that for software is streaming it's very rare that you're one of those people but you have to already want streaming badly enough and wants like to do that thing that the accountability from that helps you get through the hard parts of software. But it's really that accountability and how it's spoiler for Madison's video, the skin in the game that really is what makes it work. So you can get through those things. And with whatever gets you that is what gets you that. If streaming's a thing you want and you want to code while you stream, that can be the thing. I don't think that's how it works for most people because you're 
you're you are learning two things instead of one and if there's a way to do this because you have something else you want like for me it was minecraft i wanted to host minecraft servers really badly and have a bunch of plugins with like crazy management for land and stuff and i wanted that so badly that not knowing how to code wasn't going to fucking stop me and that's how i got good and i will say too to that point you have to realize which lowest point could be and can you survive that like if you're streaming and your lowest point is going to be you having a shitty day coding and chat is dogging on you for having a shitty day coding, you probably do it both at the same time. Like you have yep. to realize that at some level, you're going to have both things go as horribly wrong as they possibly can. And can you survive that? At the- if you can't survive both of them going horrendous at the same time, you need to do them independently before you do them both at the same time. I want to double down on that. The, not so much like the, the both at the same time, but I think just like that applies to anything you want to learn in life. Like you're going to have shitty days and in coding, Sometimes those shitty days hit harder, you know, especially if you're older and you're kind of making that transition, your career or whatever it is, and you're just not progressing as fast as you want. You got to be, you have to be comfortable with that low points in your days, even low points in the, in, in a whole week or as a whole week, because you're sometimes not going to be able to do the progress you want in a time that you allocate for yourself. And you have to be okay with that. You have to be okay with just being dog shit. I'm sorry. I love everyone here. But at certain points, we're all going to be, we're all lazy and, you know, the product's dog shit. And you got to be okay with that. But what's important is how you kind of come back, come back to what you want, that determination, like that personal goal. And like, you'll be gold. I still think programming needs its equivalent of like a skateboarder focusing their skateboard. I was just going to say, I think a lot of it just comes back to showing up and really like putting the time in. Because I think like what you guys are saying, especially the topics of coding, streaming, content creation, all these different things, it's not something that happens overnight. I feel like if someone wants to be a streamer, I mean, I'm sure there are people who have, you know, blown up overnight, but I don't really think, I think it's the exception. It's not the rule. And so I think to really see the gains from all these kinds of topics, I think it really just matters showing up every day, whether you're having a good day or a bad day and being consistent. Cause I think that's really the only way you're going to get to the place that you want to be. And I think also too, that's why it's important to start with like good intentions or, or remember why you're, you're really starting what you're doing. Like if you're just if you're looking to start YouTube because you want to make money, I don't think you're going to make money. You know, like I don't feel like that's a strong enough driver. And I think coding is very similar. Like you have to, maybe it's like more motivating to code to make money, but it's it's not something you're going to be able to monetize after a day, at least in my opinion. Yeah. And I definitely think what I guess Theo and Milky were saying earlier about streaming and coding, I mean, co- learning to code and also having a second goal, I think just doing anything else while learning how to code, like in my opinion, if I would have tried to like okay, I'm going to build a YouTube and learn how to code, or I'm going to like stream and learn how to code. It's just so hard on its own that like adding in other goals, in my opinion, is quite a lot. I mean, some people can do it, but I think it's just making it hard on yourself to add in all these other things. And so we start off really ambitious, like at the beginning of the year, right, January 2nd, and we're like, I'm going to learn to code and do this and do this. But I think starting with like, I'm going to learn to code and going from there and like finding the why uh, much better than like other different like side goals. Like we talk a lot about learning in public and all these things you can do when you're getting started and, and network and all these things, but like just building the core coding skills, at least for a while as you get started and focusing on that. Uh, I wish I had done more of that. One tiny piece of what Kevin said I want to push back on, and I'm only doing this because I agree with pretty much everything really like strongly. And I think that this one bit is important. I don't think just showing up is enough, but it is absolutely necessary to get started. I the thing I've seen a lot, and I'm going to keep making analogies to skateboarding. So it's like what I know best is a kid who really wants to learn this like one specific trick and will just try it again and again, and it's not working. 
And then they'll keep showing up and they'll keep trying. But instead of trying it 20 times in a row, they'll only try it twice in a row. And then they'll just like, like ride around in circles on their skateboard. They're still showing up. And I see this happen even more in engineering where somebody will hit a hard problem. And because the end of that problem isn't motivating enough because they don't want the thing on the other side badly enough, they won't push through it. And I think this is where external motivation, either through like working with the community on something like Advent of Code or having a specific project that you really want done and promising a deadline publicly, like saying, I'm going to add this feature to my Minecraft server by this date, or I'm going to have a website for my friend's like store by this date. And making those types of promises, even and especially if you don't manage to make like hit them and like you fail, that accountability and that excitement for what's at the end should be something outside of just engineering and being an engineer because just showing up and just having the goal of being a coder isn't enough. I do truly believe you need something more enticing on the other side to push you through those hard parts so you're more excited when you hit the end. I want to I want to just say something to that. Um when I when we first started this, this space, I was like thinking like should I talk about tools? Should we talk should I bring up what are the best resources? You know like a boot camp, like what boot camps are we all going to talk about or like what Udemy courses are blowing up? Um, but then, you know, we talked about like that personal determination, that goal and that purpose. And one thing I kind of want to talk about here and gain your opinions are, you know, pu- that, that pushing through that you've hit that obstacle. It's kicking your ass. How do you push through it? And I just want to say that no resource teaches that no Udemy course, no boot camp teaches you on how to push through when there isn't necessarily a reward at the end of that tunnel. You know, there's not immediate uh, a dopamine hit right away you have to kind of get in there with that personal determination that goal you know whether it is to build something in public or whether it is to you know build the next twitter clone or you know be a master at lead code like the the resources really don't matter there's a shit ton of them udemy youtube blogs even twitter spaces streaming they're all becoming you know these very good resource people to get introduced and learn how to program here and there but if you don't have that like why underneath all those layers of resources, all those tools that you have available, all those tabs you have open, once you hit that first opti- obstacle, you're going to close all those tabs and, and then do something else, which is not how you want to kind of go about something that could literally change your life. Yeah, I think that is such a good point. And I want to hear from others about how do you push through, push through, like you said. But one thing I would say in addition to that is I see all the time on Twitter and I even in my Discord community, people message me and this question like, What's the best coding resource? Like, what's the best resource to learn to code? What's the best course? What's the best bootcamp? And I honestly think you can ask that question like a bit for like a week maybe. But if you're still asking that like a month in, like mostly trying to find the best resource for learning how to code is just an excuse for not doing the hard work required to learn to code. Like there is no best resource. There is no like best number one YouTuber. Like some content creators are better than others. But I asked that question for way too long when I got started. And I wish that I would have just actually started learning to freaking code rather than like, who's the best teacher? Like what's the very best resource for learning Python? Just like go, you know, open up your damn text editor. Like it's kind of stupid. Anyway, that's my, that's my hot take on that. I just want to add on to the hot take by saying that Google exists, like learn how to Google. If you don't know how to Google, go read stuff on how to Google to find out the answer for your thing. Like as somebody who works in kind of the tech side, but not super in the tech itself, like Google will solve probably 80 to 90% of your answers. If you know how to you know, it's not just Googling the thing that you want to figure out It is the keywords and then putting quotation marks around things and so on. So like, 
it's and and it's it's a at least I think right it's a similar skill set to learning to code in some sense of figuring out the the way it needs to be done. how do I like become a software engineer how, things are how do I learn like React pattern how do I improve the test coverage or obviously so. the one I'm getting a lot the most recently how do I contribute to open source yeah I think one thing that Madison brought up um yeah, I'll give you a chance to speak in a second here, but I just wrote it down is, you know, she brought up the fact that, okay, you know, you want to look for the best course, you know, the best, whatever it is, the best instructor. And then I think all of us know this. I'm going to say this. I'm going to be like, yep, tutorial hell. You know, we've all been there. It's inevitable in your journey. It's like one of the, a passing mark, you know, you have to go through this. And it's just where you just have a bunch of tutorials and you keep going through them. And you, and eventually you get to a point where you spent more time in tutorial hell, reading, learning, listening to some other person talk about it, but you haven't even taken the first step to do it. It's like the best analogy here, and I heard this when I was training like MMA way back in the day, was if you ever get coached by an MMA person who's never trained MMA, that's kind of like being coached by, per- by it's, it's kind of like being coached to swim by a person who's never gone into the pool, which is like, you know, you can hear everyone talk about it, but until you get in there, it doesn't matter. Yep. My analogy is imagine learning to skateboard by going to class for eight hours a day and reading a textbook on how skateboards work. Yeah, Nate, go ahead. I really like Madison's point here. And I was just going to add one thing. When you're looking at resources and content, the reality is, depending on the technology in the stack, they're probably going to share like 40 to 80% of the content. And you know what? A lot of that content can also be found in the documentation. Like there's not that much ways for them to differentiate themselves when a lot of the tech and a lot of the syntax is going to be the same. But I do appreciate, I think one of the biggest differentiates structure. Sorry for the background noise. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we're talking about like resources and how like, you know, they're good, but they're not the be all end all. I want to, I kind of want to spin it a little bit where the different resources we have available now or there's more exposure to can tremendously help. And the biggest resource I can think of that I will back is like open source contributing. I think everyone can agree. Open source contributing, whether you're just starting or you're a seasoned veteran, is one of the best ways to get into the trenches, I like to say. You know, it's the best time to get... Nope. I that. hate this point so much. This is what no. my whole goal videos is about. <laughs> Tell me. Why? Because you don't know... Like, contributing when you don't know how to contribute is like filming a skate video when you've never watched the skate video. You need to understand way better. It's like, it's a bad goal. It's something that's outside of your control and like is hard to understand the value of so early the best way to make your first open source contribution is to build a lot of stuff with open source shit and then run into a problem with one of those things file an issue talk with the maintainers and maybe just maybe go fix it yourself that is without question the best way to do your first open source contributions open source is a great community and a place to learn and grow is not a thing you should be rushing to contribute to. And I specifically hate this point I hear again and again from influencers of you should like be trying to make your first contribution. The same reason I fucking hate Hacktoberfest. All it does is cause hell for open source maintainers getting thousands of like readme fixes and bad contributions. Yeah, the quality, the, the readme one, that one made me laugh. <laughs> but I will say like being some people, I guess my, my, my thinking here, some people don't have exposure to a lot of like good code bases, especially if you're a junior and you didn't go to school or, or don't even know a lot of people. Like some people don't know programming on Twitch is a thing, but they don't have like that exposure to a code base and they don't know how a lot of pieces kind of come together and work. So I was thinking maybe not necessarily contributing, but looking at open sources, looking how code is written and mimicking that and learning from that. 
as a way to build your own knowledge. Nothing necessarily like go and make a contribution. We don't even know how to run the program. Nah, like don't be doing that. But looking at how code is written via open source, I think that is like very essential and can be used to really help learn. I wouldn't say it's essential. I absolutely would say it helps. Like if you're able to read through specifically, and I talk about this in a lot of videos, like the worst way to learn a code base is through the code tab. The best way is through the pull request tab, seeing what is changing in the code base. Generally speaking, I find these to be skills that are almost always best learned on the job. And like, no matter how well you learn it externally, like no open source code base is as is going to teach you how a company code base works properly. Like there is a huge rift between any open source project I've worked on, even like very well, like oiled machines and like properly architected ones and company work for the most part. I don't think it's as essential as we like to make it out. It is a massive 10xer for the people it works for. And if you're somebody who is just genuinely so excited about libraries and the things you're building with every day that you're already on GitHub checking the new feature SolidJS just shipped and you're the kind of person who like hangs out in my Discord to talk about all these things, fuck yeah. Spend a bunch of time at open source. You're probably already contributing. You don't need me to tell you any of this stuff. But I don't think open source as a goal and as like a marker of progress in these ways makes a lot of sense. Okay, I like the way you said like the the marker of success but i do want to say one point and while you were talking it kind of made me laugh because it's exactly what i want to say when i was learning to create t3 app i literally went into your server and i looked at uh ray roy angers um like open source projects that he allowed me to like look at and that was the way i really learned how like the whole like t3 stack and like how everything works together with prisma in trpc so that's why i was like thinking that's a good way to learn something new now, is it be- maybe that's because, you know, I'm not necessarily brand new to programming and like using TypeScript, et cetera, et cetera, perhaps. But it, I know, like personally, when I saw Roy's stuff and his work using the T3, it like, made a lot of things less intimidating, if that makes sense. Maybe that's because Roy is such a I, fucking ass. But I think a big part of that was the community aspect of the fact this is a person you were talking to whose code you could read. And that community building is one of the things you should be striving for early and often, like having the conversations and having somebody to tell you which code base is good and bad. Because there's the other side, which is there's a lot of GitHub code bases that I have seen with lots of stars that are terrible practice. Something as massive as create React app is a terrible way to get started as a new developer right now. And that's just the norm. We have to like, by getting involved in a community, you're much less likely to end up on bad things where you don't understand why they're bad and having the guiding hand of someone who's even just a year more experienced than you, who has been where you were recently to help you find the right things. That is a million times more valuable than any people on GitHub. Yeah, that's a good point. And I definitely think the community aspect was like critical because Roy was literally like, we got into voice chats, which, you know, maybe the point, my point earlier about contributing to open source, maybe I want to shift that and kind of take it back and, Focus on like being involved in a community where you avoid that kind of contribution and like that mess potentially to read me's um, and trash. I see your hand. Uh, you know, you should definitely speak after it. Uh, but like the community aspect is key, and I think that's why like one of the resources I wrote down is like Twitter Spaces, streaming, Discord, because like when you get into a community, like the example I had with Learning T three, Roy and Theo, like I'll DM these guys, and I know it's annoying them. Because how strong the community was and because, you know, they're just dope people, they taught me and showed me how to do things much better. And, and it just like exponentially increased the way I was comfortable 
with the T3 stack or using other things uh, that's available and built open source. Uh, Trash, what you got to say? Yeah, I was going to uh, just pretty much been pitching to some people in coffee chats about open sources. I always tell them, don't rush the commits. Just join a Discord, answer whatever questions you can. Obviously, it should be a tool that you're familiar with and use day to day. Because if you think about it, it's like you can't just throw a huge or semi-complex app at a new person and expect them to look at the code and understand anything. Um, so I always tell them, one, it has a tool you use all the time. So you're just at least familiar with the use cases for it. And then two, join the community, be able to answer questions. And then three, you can you know start talking to maintainers and see how you can help. Um, that's usually like my way path forward for like the new people. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think for me, I would just say it's different strokes for different folks, really. Like, you know, it sounds like Theo really doesn't like open source. Melky, maybe you're more on board with open source. For me, I think you just have to find something that you're interested in that's going to kind of drive you. Like, I think Theo said it for him, it was Minecraft. For I me, have the biggest open somewhere. source project in the space, man. I fucking love open source. I just think it's a terrible thing to Starting preach point, as a right? specific goal. Like, right. I, it, it, like, I think for the people who have like open source as a motivating thing where they just love seeing other people's code and being part of these communities. But that's because of the community aspect. Nobody mm-hmm. just loves the, the, the philosophy of open source so much that it intrinsically makes them a great engineer and pushes them through the hard stuff. It is the community aspect that makes that work. Gotcha. Yeah. Good, good distinction. Cause I didn't want to say to all these people that you hate open source. <laughs> um, but yeah. So for me, like I had an experience with open source and it was one of my first things that I did when I was learning the program in school. And it was like with the Linux foundation and it was this Google summer of code thing. And for me personally, it was incredibly overwhelming. Like I totally agree. I was just thrown into this project. It was something for like driverless printers and IPP printing everywhere. And like, to be honest, I had no idea what I was doing. The people that I was supposed to be talking to were in Europe. They're like six hours ahead of me. I'd never talked to anyone on the phone. I didn't know how to, you know, like run anything. And so I was literally just kind of like twiddling my thumbs, freaking out, stressed every day that I was supposed to be like working, you know, like eight hours a day. And I was basically contributing nothing. So for me, it wasn't great, but I guess that was just uh, a small example of me just trying to say it really depends on the person. And for me, Unfortunately, it wasn't great, uh, at least contributing to a project or trying to. I uh, Theo, you want to go ahead? Or anyone who... I, to... I want to tell a story about a success case here, but I'll wait till everybody else talks about the topic first. I want to keep hogging. Cool. Aiden, I think you had your hand raised first. Yeah, one thing I was going to call out is um, there was a discussion about like how do your first commit when it comes to contributing um, to open source. One thing I'll point out that I found was the best thing for me was joining a Discord for anything. One big thing that I found for open source that helped me a lot was just lurking, not even engaging in that, but just seeing how people reacted and interacted with each other and seeing what kind of discussion was going on, what people were thinking about, gave me a lot of ideas of like how can Cuban actually make a project better, which is something that I would heavily recommend doing. Um, learn what is needed and learn what is learn what the goals of that project is first, which you'll often find but just by like lurking in the community or like looking at pull requests or looking at issues, and you'll find that you'll engage like pretty much better and you'll probably make some friends at the same time as well. Uh, Nate. Hey, Aiden. hey Aiden. By the way, Aiden made a lot. Quick plug, quick plug. Uh, but Nate, I think you got your hand here raised. Yeah, I, I love Theo's point too about what to work on. Find something that you use a lot and that you get the like you get an understanding of as a user uh, for a library. And I think that's what a lot of people miss because I hear people who have probably even heard influencers saying, "Go for that first commit." You know, overemphasizing that first commit heuristic. And they're like, well, what project? I'm looking for an open source project to contribute to. Like, what's an open source project to contribute to? And that's where I think it's backwards. It's like, no, you should 
looking to contribute to something that you're using a ton of and you want to make better. And hopefully you discover ways it can be distinctly better while you use it, like Dio was saying. But another thing that I a lot is the commits are not the only way to contribute. And I think one of the best ways to get involved, Discords is huge, that's already been said, but also just sitting on the use tab, I think a huge contribution, depending on the project and depending on the maintainers, can be simply reading issues and reproducing some of the issues. And there's a lot of terrible issues that get created in open source. So just somebody digging in to clarify what the issue is, because most people do not write the clearest bug reports, right? So by jumping in, digging in a little bit, you know, that can help the maintainer a lot. And maybe depending on how long you've used the library and how familiar you are, you can start poking around the source to actually try to see, well, where would this change happen? Maybe I don't know exactly what to change or what to fix, but that I think your stepping stone to real, like really valuable contribution is just sit in the issues tabs and PRs tab, like you were saying, but look for ways to even just move an issue a couple steps along, even if you're not the one opening a full PR or making the commits to fix that issue. Yeah. Denny, do you want to finish off the topic and then Theo can uh, say the story he wants. Uh, yeah, I actually have a question for Theo and you specifically, so I'll wait while Theo does his thing and hope I don't fall asleep because it's 2 a.m. here, so forgive me. If I do and I don't respond, please kick me to listeners. Love you. Monday's below the fold. I think he had something too. Yeah, I just wanted to add on that even if you're talking about you kind of separate this from open source, finding a problem that you personally have and using what you are trying to learn to fix that problem independently is huge as well. Like it doesn't have to be open source um, to kind of piggyback off Theo's own product. Ping itself is kind of development. Like I needed a thing to like fix the problem that I was having. Um, if you're going to sit down and like, how do I create JS Christmas lights for the Christmas and for an overlay? Like you can learn and figure uh, out how to do a bunch of Is this a moment of, of silence or am I so. missing something? You're not seeing or you're not hearing Monday. It's like the one person isn't in your region and isn't connecting to your server bug. Twitter. That's about all I had, though. You want to rehash for two seconds and then get going. I can rehash that one quick because it yeah. actually like pivots into my point or my story pretty well. The point that Monday said for anybody who didn't hear it is that there's a lot of value in contributing to things that aren't even necessarily open source. The example he gave was his involvement with working with us at Ping to get Ping to solve the problems he had specifically. And then just through talking with engineers more and being involved with it, started doing more like side projects with code stuff. I think it's a great example. A very prominent one I wanted to give is the example of one of my favorite people in the community, uh, the Rising Star Award winner for the D3 Awards, Nexel. He's a kid out of India who watched a lot of my content, heard a proposal I had made in one of my videos where people had continuously been asking me for a code template with all my like tech in it. And I would just say, no, because I don't want to make a template. Because when I make a template, all of a sudden, a bunch of people are going to have like Prisma and Auth added to their blogs because they're going to use my template for things it's not for. The closest I would ever do is a CLI that lets you pick the specific technologies and sets it up the right way. But that's a lot of work and I don't feel like doing it. Nexel just went and did it because he wanted a project to work on. And he built it. And I tried it and it was really good. And it had a sp- couple of small things to fix. So I like opened up issues with it. Then I brought it up on stream and a bunch of people from my community started contributing. And now there's a handful of these like really, really skilled open source contributors that started with Create T3 app that are now contributing to massive projects like TRPC, React, and even Next.js and TypeScript I've seen from my community that started on this little project for bootstrapping apps. This is one of my favorite examples ever of doing open source right where this kid understood the problem I was describing because he himself had that problem, wanted to solve it, had a concrete method to 
a concrete like path to what a solution would look like. No idea how to get there. And he just sat down and he did it and he posted it and it worked and it solved the problem well. And then a month later, I noticed, and now it's like, I think 13,000 stars on GitHub in under six months, one of the fastest growing TypeScript projects on GitHub. It's incredible. And that's a, like his first open source contribution in quotes was that. Yeah, Nexel is a beast and his, he is very inspiring. He's like, I think 19, but like exactly what 17. Feels- he was 16 when he made that. <sighs> we all feel great. But that's why he won the Rising Star Award. This guy, like, he's he, he really is, like, he is brilliant, right? Uh, but he is really a good example of what happens when you just kind of do it, you know? He didn't really necessarily know exactly what he was going to get himself into, but he, like, recognized a problem, and he just kind of went into it, coded it up, programmed it. And like Theo said earlier, you know, Theo came in, polished it up a little bit here and there. But I think it's safe to say, like, the majority of the work was done by Nexel and that initiative. That initiative is super key because, like, once you get that ball moving, the momentum, it's hard to stop. I didn't polish anything up. I just cut issues. I did literally nothing. My only code contributions have been copy changes. I have not contributed. I, I don't know how Create23 app works. I want to, like, I want to ask people. We talk a lot about, like, all this new stuff that we kind of, like, I guess can have to advantage like the new generation or this generation of people learn to code or who want to learn to code or continue to learn to code. Um, and I was talking about this with Madison before we went like, you know, live on a Twitter space. And I have a question for everyone or I want to get their thoughts on this. It's, is it harder now or is it easier than it's ever been to learn how to code? And the second kind of part to that is, is the quality of the coder that comes out of that the best it's ever been or the worst it's been? And let's say for the last 10 years. Uh, Aiden, yeah, go ahead. My first question would be, at what level do you mean? Like, do you mean a beginner? Or do you mean, like, someone who's more senior looking for more, um, like, exploring different stacks and, like, learning how things work? Like, what sort of level do you mean? Oh, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's thanks for uh, for asking. I would say, like, more beginner-oriented. Like, someone who's kind of just coming into the space and wants to become, you know, a software engineer at a, at a fan company or any company, for that matter. I would honestly say that I don't think it matters what the code quality is when you're learning the fundamentals. Like the first thing you do when you start coding is you're learning how a computer works and you're learning how to solve problems, right? Fundamentally, what you're trying to do is try and learn how to think like a computer and think about how to solve problems and break things down. It doesn't really matter what you produce because what you produce, what we've all produced when we first started learning was absolute garbage. Um, and that's fine. I, I think the biggest thing for me, I think it's actually harder to learn now than it ever was before because I'm kind of like the person who doesn't follow the TypeScript ecosystem. And I feel like as someone who understands how it works and doesn't follow it, I'm often in decision paralysis where there's so many different things and everyone has a very different opinion about what's good and what's bad that you just don't know what to pick. And my best advice if you're a beginner is don't give a shit about any of that and just start building stuff because it will probably suck at first and that's fine, but you will learn how to think like a computer and that's the thing you need to learn first. Yeah, trash, go ahead. Uh, I think it's, there's two sides of the fence for me. I think one way it's either because I now have like the mindset and the tenacity to kind of just like deal with the shit as it comes um, and not like complain like a little bitch about it and just you now push through. But on the other side, it's like I'm very stubborn and uh, I have to like try to unlearn things that I've been doing for years depending on the language I'm doing. And that kind of like tends to like fuck me up a little bit. Um, but, you know, I think the tenacity pie is probably worth more here. So I would say it's, it's a draw for me. All right, that's all I got. Yeah, no, I think, you know, I personally, so I want to just kind of tie this in with like, this rise in like boot camps and like one thing i've said like on stream and like one thing i want to even talk about here is like there's so many boot camps that offer 
these crazy, not even, not even just boot camps, sorry, like these online courses. And I think even the Prime Major made a video about this where it's like, learn JavaScript in 10 days. And it's like, what quality do you expect to get from that 10 days? You know what I mean? And I think a lot of like boot camps or other of these courses are almost susceptible to that, where they have these like overarching promises that you do our 30 day boot camp and you'd be this like full stack developer, you know, from scratch. And it's like, I've always pressed X to doubt that. I don't know if anyone else has any thoughts on that, but I, I've always been extremely skeptical, especially in the full stack part. I, you know, if you're if you're a beginner and one thing for like, you know, teaching yourself to code in 2023, one thing that I wish I did better was focus on one area of programming. Personally, I just think it's, you know, you can you'll hone in on the skills a bit better as opposed to jumping around. Maybe once you get a certain ground of, you know, let's say front end, it might be an easier transition to go into back end or pick it up. But I think if you're com- someone completely new, junior, etc., my personal advice is really single in on what skills you want to build, what developer you want to be. And then as you progress in your career or progress in the things you build, it'll be easier to jump around. Cool. Um, I don't really have like any more topics. I actually wrote something down and that that's that's all of it. I don't know. Madison, do you have anything you want to say? Or does anyone else, any of the speakers have anything you want to kind of bring up? For the space here I, no, uh, I just wanted to say that it's late and i appreciate all of you and melky and theo and madison thank you for having me uh kevin trash nate aiden Bundes, jack i see you there selma and all my friends and thank you for spending time with me this european subby boy is gonna go sweep because i'm tired so enjoy the talk and have a good happy new year everyone love you bye bye